Uh, what does it mean to accept Christ in your heart? And I get these ideas when I'm out talking to people in different cities, etc., because um, uh, I realize that the gospel is so simple, but people get into the word more, they do this more, they do that more, and the whole thing at the end of the day is about the lamb that was sacrificed that took all of our sin and guilt and gave us his life for free. So we're back in the house. So if you understand that, you understand Christianity. And, uh, you know, when people go, I'm going to get into the word more, Jesus says, I was the word that became flesh. So it, when somebody says, I'm going to get into the word more, most of the time I'm not excited about it. And I know that sounds like blasphemy if you've been to Bible school and all this stuff because that just means I'm going to do something more to hopefully get something from God. Right? And we're supposed to start at the point where you're complete in him. You can't get any more. So if you're going to go, I'm going to get into the word more, what I hope you're saying is I'm going to focus more on all the promises of Jesus and how awesome I am as a son because I'm hidden in Christ. That's getting into the word more. Does that make sense? But reading your Bible more typically makes people angry. Ever seen that? I'm going to the Bible study. I'm not. Because I come out of there... Like, where did, what, did, what just happened to me? I felt good until I went in there, and then I just came out. And, because you, they, they're not teaching that you're in Christ. Everything, when Jesus said it's finished, he meant it. He said the, the, the separation between man and God is finished. I did all the work. I came to do the Father's work is what he said. What was the work? To fulfill the old covenant, the laws, types, and shadows that were written about him. And so when he said it's finished, I did all that. Now what must we do to do the works of God? Believe in the one who is sent. Believe that he did the work. That's, that's the whole thing. Does that make sense to you guys? So what does it mean to be in Christ? If you ask most Christians this, and this is kind of how my friends Jack and Cindy Warner, and uh, in Oklahoma I was there, and, and uh, I know I'm in the Bible Belt, man, right? That, I'm in it. The challenge is I bet I could go into 90% of the churches today and go, what does it mean to be a Christian? What is the new covenant all about? And it'll be crickets. Well, and they'll give me some theological answer. And they go, but there's no heart issue yet. We haven't touched it yet. We haven't. So how do you know what it means to accept Christ in your heart? You know, so, I, and I see this all the time. Hey, come up forward. Now repeat after me. <clears throat> accept Jesus into your heart. Fantastic. What does that mean? Well, I just say this thing, and then somehow it worked. I don't see any persuasion of the heart yet. I don't see any change in people. I don't see anything. Now, if, the, if you believe that's fire insurance, fantastic. But I want results, man. I want them to have righteousness, peace, and joy in the new covenant. Does that make sense? So what does it mean to accept Christ? We're going to get into that. Does, that. does that make sense to you guys? So accepting Christ in your heart, I think we have this picture like this spiritual thing comes in. Now it's in you. And, Yet most 13-year-olds that got up in confirmation where I grew up, they, they say this thing, they do this prayer, and they walk off. What did, what did you just do? I accepted Jesus into my heart. Yay. Nothing changed. And the gospel is supposed to have the power of God unto salvation. Does that make sense? It's, it's a hard issue. It's something when you finally believe the new covenant, guys, signs, wonders, and miracles happen in your life. It's not because you prayed hard or did this or took spiritual authority. It literally is the power of the gospel. When you believe something in your heart, it manifests. It's pretty amazing. So when you believe whatever promise it is of the new covenant, it actually produces. That's how fearfully and wonderfully we're made. Does that make any sense to you guys? Me quoting something, just uh, I believe in my heart, speak with my mouth. I've seen people doing that for 
30 years. I'm praying in tongues because it edifies the house and I'm building myself up. I go, yeah, but the non-believer doesn't do any of that. He's kicking your rear end in every area of your life. So which house is he building? He's believing something. You're trying to do something. Now, I believe in all, I, see, I pray, I do all these things, but I think there's something more powerful even than praying in the spirit. I believe it's praying with a new covenant mentality that all these promises are yes. Does that make sense? Because even at Pentecost, when they said, you know, we heard them speaking in their own language, proclaiming the wonderful works of Christ. So when they were praying in tongues, people actually heard a good message of what Jesus did for them, and they were born again out of that spirit. Follow me? So I believe it's more powerful to believe something in your heart and let it manifest. That's what I believe the new covenant's all about. So let's talk about what it means to accept Christ in your heart. What does Jesus mean? Just Jesus. Well, that's true. He is love, and love is God, and love, God is love. But if we, if we took it, Jesus literally just means salvation. If we, if we knew what his name meant in English, it's salvation. So all these old covenant promises were about salvation. And Bree, you're right. Why did he save us? Because he loved us so much, right? John 3, 16, then I read 17 too. You guys know me. I like, read the next verse. The next verse puts it into some context. God so loved the world, he gave his only son, right? Read the next one. That whoever believes in him, shall not die and they're completely sinless and they'll have his life now so anyway so his name jesus is salvation so if we're in english it would be salvation christ means anointing so all the old covenant promises said this not the prophets kings and priests are the only ones going to be anointed someday i'm going to pour out the anointing on all flesh what it prophesies in joel right the handmaidens everybody because only the the special people got the anointing in the old covenant and they would leave it would leave and go based on their sin and, and whether they obeyed God, etc. And because in the new covenant, the anointing never leaves. But make sure your bird doesn't fly away because it might leave. And I'm like, no wonder Christianity people are just absolutely bonkers. They don't know what to believe anymore. And all I'm trying to tell you is believe you're, you're saved and anointed. That's what Jesus Christ means. I'm saved. What does that mean? All the nonsense about me is over. That doesn't mean I'm still do nonsense because if Jesus came to stop you from sinning, how well did he do? A really bad job because you're in it. Does that make sense? But if he came so that even when you sin, no, you're, the sin will not be imputed to your account, how well did he do? Perfect. You just got to, most, most churches will, in fact, I'm not going to tell you the ministry. I wish I would have brought this. I shared this at, the, at our house fellowship. Some of you guys know it's a massive ministry. I was reading this. Barbara and I are all excited. It's one of the biggest ministries in North America. You get this. And it says, uh, because I was just, I was looking up different things. I'm like, what do these guys believe? You know, what do all these mega churches and everything believe? And so I'm reading this. It says, are all your sins forgiven just, or just your past ones? So it starts out great. And it says, here's the deal. Um, all your sins are forgiven past, right now, future. You cannot do anything about it. You have perfect salvation because of one man's act, Jesus Christ. I'm going, yes, I didn't realize these guys believe this. You know, I'm like, fired up. Yeah, awesome. If they're evangelists, this would be good for them to share. Next sentence. But sin is an abomination to God. And it separates your fellowship with him. I'm like, wow, it is bipolar. Either it's gone, but then when you do it, it's not gone now. And now you just separated yourself from God. Wait a minute. I thought two became one in this mystery. I'm, I, is, does Christ have any sin left? It says, no. He raised for our justification. It means we're completely just and, and we're right in God's eyes. Amen. He died for our sins and our iniquities is what it said, but after three days he raised for our justification, meaning we're completely just with God for the rest of our life. But if you sin, then you're not just in that little moment and you're separated from God and it's an abomination. 
The abominations was he hated having his sons, you and I, separated from himself because all he is is love. Even Adam and Eve misjudged him. They, he followed them. So he, he went after them. See, we have this thing that when Adam and Eve sinned, he's angry and he kicks them out of the garden. Get out of here. I told you not to sin. That is an angry dad and I'm going to deal with their kids. And I do. <laughs> because some of you guys that believe that, I deal with you guys. And I go, he's not angry at you. He loves you perfectly like a perfect dad. In fact, when he went after Adam and Eve, he goes, Adam and Eve, where are you? Where are you? He followed them. Adam was the one who felt guilty, so he hid. Amen? But God wasn't upset. He goes, in fact, I'm going to put it, and I did a service on this the other day. He said, I, I'm going to preserve a way back into the garden. On the east end of the garden, this is where you're going to meet with me, Adam and Eve. He really just set up a mercy seat and a sacrificial system right there. He said, I'm going to have a flaming sword, right? And between the cherubim on the east end of the garden is where I'm going to meet with you. It's all a picture of the temple and Jesus' sacrifice because he was the flaming sword and he was the atonement and the mercy seat with the angels standing there. It's all a picture of the real mercy seat. Does that make sense? He goes, I love you so much, I'm going to bring you back into paradise, Eden. Hallelujah. You guys get it? All right, so let's get into this. What does, accept to, what does it mean to accept the anointing, really? I've accepted Christ into my heart. Have you? It's not something that you quote. What, what about Christ have you accepted? That's what I want to get into. Does that make sense? And I'll give you, the, I'll, here's all it is. And then we'll go through scripture to back it up. Accepting Christ means this. He was the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice that took away the sin of the world. So now, are you sinless? Okay, that is accepting one part of Christ. I accept that now that I'm completely righteous even though I sin today. There are so few Christians that accept that. They have this mysterious spirit thing Somehow, like, God, I'm in your heart. Right? Isn't that what you think? About most people? He lives in you now. Does he? Does that spirit, that, does, that, I, does that thing plant? Because God, Jesus said, listen, the kingdom of God is all a heart issue. Is what do you believe in your heart? Does that make sense? Now, if somebody believes in Christ and they're sinless, of course they're saved. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what have you really accepted in your heart so you can enjoy the new covenant. Amen? So, because I see a lot of people, um, spiritual warriors and intercessors and prophecy guys, I don't see any of them joyful. I really don't. And yet this comes says, it's righteousness, peace, and joy. I don't see most pastors joyful. I don't see most Bible schools joyful. Oh, my God. Almost killed me going to Bible school. Can we have some joy here, please? Right? <laughs> no, right? <laughs> Is that right, Kat? I'm not criticizing. But you get the Bible instructors up there like, it's death. Warmed over, man. Hey, become a Christian so you can be grumpy, old, and angry like me. <laughs> Poor, you know, God. I'm like, no, no, I'll stay over here and I'll get my fire insurance at the end, right? Thank you, Lord. That's what I'll do real quick. I'll go live over here where the Gentiles prosper and you guys just wallow around, right? No, but I'm praying in the Spirit, built, edifying my body. You've been doing it 30 years and I don't see anything edified. I haven't seen anything built. See, I think there's more than just praying in tongues. I think there's praying in the Spirit also being sing to me in spiritual songs. It means new covenant songs. Sing to me in spiritual songs versus lawful songs. Does that make sense? I'll take a guy that understands the new covenant all day over the edifier because he's actually getting somewhere. Does that, does that make sense? Okay. I know I'm stepping on big toes, but I, I'm just too practical, I guess. I go, okay, you've been doing that for 30 years. Um, you know, this makes all the difference. Where? I haven't seen the difference in your life yet. What is it made? I'm edifying the house. It's, the foundation's not built yet. What are you doing? Am I speaking truth to anybody? <laughs> like, does anybody ever notice this? 
And we're kind of like, that guy's over there just kicking my rear end and I'm building my house. What's happening? Right? Because I believe spirit's praying in the Spirit's much more than that. I really do. I believe it's proclaiming the wonderful works of God. It's, it's everything. It's like praying spiritual songs. doesn't mean I'm, it doesn't mean that. It means a new covenant song. Right? That's why in Revelation it says they sang a new song. What was the new song? Hey, the lamb was slain and it was accepted. Right? There's no more tears. It's all joy. So you guys get the point. So what does it mean to accept Christ in your heart? Let's go through this. Accepting Christ in your heart gives you rest inside. You'll know. You know, when, when we were sharing this with my friends in Oklahoma City, the, also uh, my friend Donnie, who I met there, he goes, man, that does good for a man's heart. <sighs> ah, do you feel better? <laughs> right? Do you feel better? Where you all of a sudden something sank into your heart like, oh, yes, thank you, Father. Right? That's, so it's something to believe, not behave. The fact that it's in your heart means it's something that's internal, inside out versus outside in. It's not something I do. Follow me? Okay. The bottom line is this. Jesus Christ was the last Adam. It literally says last Adam. Adam means man. Blood man is really what it means. So there was one Adam, which we'll show you. Who was the first Adam? Adam. Who was the last Adam? Jesus, the last man. So you're either identified with the, la the first Adam or the last Adam. You're either identified with the old man or the new man. You either identify with the old covenant or the new covenant. Right? You identify with the law, legal system, or you identify with the spirit where you're free in the sun. So I'm just trying to show you how all the scripture fits together. So he took all of our sins and died for us. So on the third day, he rose for our justification. That's what I wrote. And we are now perfect, holy, blessed, because the Father treats us as a joint heir with Christ, the last Adam. He treats you as the last Adam. And as soon as you start believing that, you can expect for great things. Wait a minute. Even though I'm in this deal in the, I still have flesh, I still sin, etc. But I know he's going to favor me, bless me, treat me, prosper me, heal me based on Jesus so I can get excited about that. There's righteousness, peace, and joy in that truth. That's, that's in that spirit, the spirit of sonship. Does that make sense? Okay. Does that, does that help you guys? Because spirit is not just breath, it's, it's the second definition is also something, a, a vital principle that internally drives us and starts to manifest is what it says. So how many guys know uh, uh, when you're around somebody that's joyful, it rubs off on you a little bit, it starts to manifest, doesn't it? That, that's the spirit he's operating in. And you guys all understand this. If they go, man, he's in rough spirits today. What does that mean? Does that mean he didn't pray in tongues enough that day? Most charismatics, that's what they think. If I go, man, they're in bad spirits today. What, what, you all know what that is. What does that mean? They got something bugging them, right? Man, they got on the wrong side of the bed. That's like the wrong spirit they're operating out of versus, man, I'm the righteous, perfect, holy one of God, and I am favored. Everywhere I go, the earth trembles because I'm the man of God, man. Does, does that make sense? Versus this weak little, I'm a grasshopper. And, and the law, it says, will make you weak and beggarly. It'll make you a grasshopper and poor with all kinds of issues. Then you go to Whole Foods trying to get your health back. It's true. It's true. I, I, fear, I find more people trying to get their health out of a diet than the gospel. Isn't that interesting? Well, you know, Mike. No, I don't know. That's why you're so screwed up because you believed all that stuff. Does that make sense? When you start believing the right thing, that spirit touches your mortal flesh is what it says. And it's common sense to me. In fact, I was just sharing this with a healthy dude yesterday in California. I'm like, oh my God. Right? So I just, you, you've all heard my talk, right? So I'm like, okay. When Adam and Eve ate the most organic, pure, whole apple, 
disease came in. What? If the most pure, organic, in the Garden of Eden apple caused disease, their diet caused it, if you believe that. How are you going to ever get back? Right? You got to get back. What caused it? Guilt and shame started to touch them, and it started to affect their body, their nervous system, etc. You guys get it? Now, I don't care if you think that's where you get your health, but I'm telling you, as soon as you catch this, man, your health will start to improve. You won't have these nonsense issues. I, uh, I just want you to be free. I want you to be free. It's, it's wonderful. Try it. It's wonderful. Come to, come to a house fellowship and see how free it is. Then you go, I can't believe he eats that. <laughs> yeah, well. I haven't been to a doctor for I don't know how long. My two youngest kids never seen a medical doctor. Never even seen one. Hallelujah. You let them eat that? Everything. Well, you know, this does this. No, it doesn't to your kids because you've internalized that in your heart and your heart's so powerful it starts to produce that. Does that make sense? Don't touch, don't eat. We went through Colossians 2 at the house. He said, don't touch, don't eat. He says, all those are useless. They're types and shadows of something. They were trying to purify the outside. There's a picture of a, hey, I'm going to clean you by doing things and ceremonial washings, etc. But the washing of the word, the pure water is, hey, man, you're completely righteous, holy, etc. Now, because you're completely holy, that's why Jesus turned the water into wine, his first miracle. The pots were out there. They were ceremonial water pots to wash their outside but Jesus in the new covenant says, you know what? I'm going to turn that water into wine and it's going to go inside you and because you're holy from the inside. That's why they filled the water pots with water. You guys get it? And that's why Jesus was like, Mary, he goes, hey, do it. Listen. He's like, woman, what do you have with me? It's not my time yet. But he goes, I love these people so much that I'm going to fill the water pots with water. And then we make it into a tithing message and all this stuff. It has nothing to do with that. So on the third day, he rose for a justification. We are now perfect, holy, blessed because the Father treats us as a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That's what I want you to get into your heart about Jesus. Amen? I'm holy and righteous. <sighs> That's why Jesus said, listen, um, who, when they were, all the Pharisees, the people were upset when the man who was paralyzed, he said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to forgive him of his sin. What, who is this? that has the power to penalize, to forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin, right? And he says, listen, he said, which is harder to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? What he was really saying is they're the same. So I'm gonna show you that if I can separate that man from sin where he truly believes that his sin is separated from now, he'll get up and walk. Isn't that cool? So all of you need to know you're separated from your sin, now get up and walk. Live your life, amen? That's really all that's going on, okay? Does that help you? Okay. All right. So Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? And if you read Romans 5 right before it, it says, um, where sin increased, grace, where sin increased, grace, Hooper increased. Right? So, so if we know that sin produces supernatural grace, what's the natural question? Should we keep sinning? That would be a natural question. That's what Paul's doing here, right? No. And this is where people miss this, in my opinion. Is so we, shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. Who are those who have died to sin? We are those who have died to sin. If you go look at that, that's Aorus tense. It means it's over. It, what he's trying to say is, it's impossible for you to sin. It's impossible because you already died to it once. Don't you know that Jesus' death was your death? Now you're dead. That old man died... Operate in the new man, spiritually believe the right thing. Amen? 
What he's trying to show them is an impossibility. Not that they never sin again, but if you read it like that, you're going to read it from a legalistic mindset and it'll still kill you. You don't realize that his death was your death. His, Jesus took all the penalty. So now, even if you sin, it's impossible to be in sin. Woo! Amen. That'll get me kicked out of the elders meeting. So, amen to that, right? I'm telling you, I go into the Bible Belt and preach that. Woo, get out of there, right? I'm going, yeah, but if you would preach that, your people would actually live. They'd actually be healthy and prosperous and wouldn't have all the nonsense diseases and everything you guys got going on down there. By no means. We're those who have died to sin. How can we live it any longer? So he's going, no, it's impossibility. You can't do it. You're dead to sin, amen? So what, <laughs> that is so hard for our brain to get around if you grew up in Christianity. Like, what do you mean I'm dead to sin? I know I'm, I'm a knucklehead right? No, you're dead to it. It's an impossibility. He sees you in Christ. You're married to Christ. Whatever's true about Christ is true about you. That's accepting Christ into your heart. I believe that in my heart now. That's what it means. You guys following where tracking what I'm doing here? Okay. Accepting Christ in my heart, there's two things to it, really. I'm completely righteous, as if I've never sinned, even though I'm sinning. And if I'm separated from sin, and I'm back in the Father's house, I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I have everything he has. I can expect every blessing in my life. Follow me? It's not just enough to get out of the Egypt. The, the lamb brought them out of Egypt with, with silver and gold and none afflicted is what it says, right? But let's not stop there. Let's cross the River Jordan. Let's actually go into the Canaan land, the promised land. Now all the promises are yes and amen. That's our real promised land today is the promises that were, those were pictures of promises that are true to us today. Follow me? It's no longer a piece of real estate. It's a truth that we believe in our heart. Because I've given the whole world to man today. We, all, we own it all, not just Israel. We own it all. Right? Because am I, am I not a descendant of Abraham? So then wherever I am, I've given the whole earth to me. So I don't need to fight for that little piece. I got the whole thing. I'm an heir of the world is what it says. Does that, does that make sense? So I, I'll get into arguments with that too. So... Uh, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live it any longer? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, if somebody's not dipped in water, were they baptized into his death? Yes, because this is spiritual truth. He's saying it doesn't mean when you were a little kid and they baptized you or you recommitted you and you're adult, you jumped in the water. What he's, a baptism simply, it's baptizo. It literally means just immersion in. So what are you being immersed in right here? Just read English, just read English. Don't you know all of us who were baptized, immersed into what? Christ Jesus. That's why Paul says, listen, I don't want to lay the foundation of laying on of hands, baptisms, all this. He goes, listen, there's one baptism, there's one body, there's one spirit, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no, there's no uh, male, female, we're all one in Jesus Christ. Now be immersed into that concept. Yeah. Amen? I will put you in water if you want to go to water. That's fine. But I'll teach you what the symbolism means. Follow me? But if you haven't been baptized, you're just as holy, anointed, etc. if you're immersed in Jesus Christ. My immersion is in Christ. That's why in the New Covenant they said, hey, uh, John baptized with water unto repentance, right? And basically, what's repentance? Renew your mind. So his baptism was stop those old works, change what you think, and be baptized into that. And that's why Jesus, Paul, they said, you know, we didn't really baptize like that. We baptized over here. That's why when they're on the road, they go, which baptism were you baptized in? We were baptized in John's baptism. But doesn't Scripture say that as great as John the Baptist was, he was an old covenant prophet, every one of you are greater than him in the new covenant. 
Because John was the last Old Covenant prophet. But every one of you are greater than John. By how? Believing. So when they find him on the road, say, which baptism you're baptizing? I was baptizing John baptism. What about baptizing in the truth, the Spirit? We haven't heard about that. Because all we heard is John. Well, he was an Old Covenant prophet. And he was prophesying about Jesus. Amen? Now be baptized into that concept, Christ Jesus. That's what he's talking about, okay? I'm losing people, so don't you know, I, I just want to say, if you understand the lamb, you got it, man. Whether you're in water, out of water, tongue talker, not talker, you got it, I'm telling you. You got the new covenant. You are in Christ Jesus. You are the anointed and saved of him, amen? So I have no problem talking in tongues. I do it, but uh, you know what? I see lots of people that never talked in tongues, never edifying their body, kicking your rear end. I'll choose that, right? <laughs> I, want you to, I want you to prosper, man. I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just, maybe I am just a knucklehead from Iowa. I'm like, this is just truth to me. Come on. Yeah, but I'm doing this. and that's the, It's the secret of the new covenant. And, da, 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 and I'm like, where is it? I don't want to know your secret. Keep it a secret to you because I don't want to know what you know. Amen? Or don't you know that all of us who are immersed into Christ Jesus were immersed into his death? So he's showing the same thing here. You were immersed. So what he's trying to say, you're either immersed in the old Adam, the first Adam, which you're complete, full of sin, or you're immersed in the new covenant Adam. I believe I'm the anointed, saved. And if he was my representative, that means when he died, how many people died? You died. That was my death. The penalty for sin is what? Death. And what he's trying to show them is, don't you know that one man died for every one of you, so you don't have to die anymore and be guilty for your sin. His death was your death. Hallelujah, I need to be immersed in that concept. Follow me? See, lots of people go down in the water, they don't know anything. They don't understand this. Because then the next, they go to the next Bible study, now, now stop doing this, don't do that, don't do this. They're back right into death. <laughs> right? They don't realize that his death was their payment. So that's why it's a hard issue. The kingdom of God is like, it, your heart is like soil is what Jesus said. If you understand that what you believe in your heart is how you're going to manifest the new covenant, not whether you went into that water or not. Follow me? Because as far as I know, the man on the cross said, remember me today. They didn't go, oh, wait a minute. Let's take those nails out. Get off the cross. Here, jump in the water. It's a salvation issue. Okay, get out of the water. Now get back on the cross. Jesus said, today, you'll be with me. Because he believed, man, this man's sinless. That's what he said. Hey, we're guilty. He's talking to the other guy on the cross. Man, we're knuckleheads. We're guilty. But that man's spotless, man. And he's taken away my sin. Jesus, whew. Man, just remember me. He goes, today you'll be with me. Follow me? Okay. So we were therefore buried with him. We were. It's a past tense issue. Were you buried with him? Did you actually go down in the grave and go with him? He's talking about believing something as this baptism. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that which baptism he tells us. Hey, you're, that, you're immersed in this man that died for you and now he lives. That's who you are today. If you're immersed in that concept, you were baptized into his death, and now you get to enjoy his life, is what he's saying. Okay? All right. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may too live a new life. What's the new life we live? No more consciousness of sin, expected to be blessed of God, the anointed of God. Hallelujah. That's why any one of you can lay hands and the sick shall recover. And I believe when you really get this truth in there and you share with him, man, he loves you perfectly. He's not upset with your sin or why you got into this mess. Let's just pray because he's a loving father. 
and he loves you perfectly. If I can get them to get that, uh, that sin conscious out of there, man, you're going you're gonna to see a lot more miracles. Because the truth is the power of God that brings us salvation. Amen? You guys get it? Okay. We too may have a new life. And every, I'm just going to come out of a couple different angles and then we'll be done. All right. Hebrews 10.1. And I talk about this all the time, but I love Hebrews because it talks about the transition from the old to the new. So if you understand this, there was an old priest, there's a new priest. There was an old temple, there's a new temple. There were old sacrifices, there was one sacrifice in Jesus Christ. Right? You guys get all this? That's where Hebrews literally means the cross or overs. That's why you're crossing over from the old covenant off of the river Jordan into the new covenant of promises now. The old covenant was do, 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 do. Moses, the servant is dead. Now Joshua, take them into the new covenant, cross the river Jordan. Follow me? So this is all about talking to the Jews going, hey, the old covenant had some glory, but the new covenant, how much more glorious. The old covenant was okay, but I found fault in is what God said, so I instituted a new one. If the old sacrifices were good, why did, why did they have to do them every year? But this man, like we talked about communion, was one sacrifice because they all pointed to Jesus, okay? So Hebrews 10.1, for the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, not the very image of the things, can never with those same sacrifices, which they, continually, which they offer continually year by year, make those approach perfect, which just means complete if you look at that word perfect. So what he's saying is there's going to be a sacrifice that will make you complete and perfect, right? So verse 2, if that was true, if they could have made them perfect, for then would they have not have ceased to be offered? If, one, if those sacrifices were the real thing, is what he's saying, they're, but they're just the shadow. They're not the real thing. If they're just pointing to something, right? If I take a, if I take a picture of the, some of you guys have ever gone to Washington, D.C., just reminding me of that, and you see the shadow of the Washington Monument, and you take a picture of the shadow that goes way into the, and I go, man, that, there's the Washington Monument. Like, what? Why did you take a picture of that? You kind of see what it is, right? But is it the real thing? No, Jesus was the real thing. All these old covenant ceremonies, rituals, washings, uh, don't eat this, don't eat that. They were all types and shadows pointing to the real thing, which is Jesus. Okay? So, for then would they have not ceased to be offered. For the worshipers, once purified, would have no more consciousness of sin. What I'm trying to get all of you guys to have is no more consciousness of sin. Right? Because you're supposed to know, if you're accepted Christ in your heart, that I'm sinless today. Hallelujah. That's accepting Christ in your heart. Get it? That is so much more powerful than to go, repeat after me. Come up here, do a public confession, repeat after me. Man, they go away just as guilty and nonsense as nothing changed yet. Because they haven't accepted anything in their heart. They said they accepted Christ into their heart. But they haven't changed yet because they haven't believed it in their heart. In fact, because nobody told them what it was. They just said, repeat after me. What the heart man believes under righteousness. Do you? Do you believe you're completely righteous? Or do you believe it's dependent on whether you sin or not today? See what I'm saying? It's all a heart issue. So, but in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Verse 11, I'm skipping some of this. And every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice. He's talking about the old covenant priests. They would stand because the work's not over, right? They would, for every priest ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin, but, I love the buts, yeah buts, when they're comparing old and new. In the new covenant, there is no yeah but. It's yes and amen. There's no yeah buts. Because the, the, the Bible school guys and the elders want to give you a yeah but. Well, yeah but. You know, scripture says this. And that's why your whole family and kids are a mess. Because you're giving them legalism, Right? 
How about we give them the gospel, man? Amen. It'll change something in their life. They'll actually desire to go to church. They'll actually, they're like, God, this is awesome. I love this. Amen? So, but this man, who's this man? <laughs> the substance, not the shadow. All those old were shadows, right? But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for his sins forever, how long's forever? So, a sin you're going to commit tomorrow, is that included in forever? I think so. The sin you're going to commit 10 years from now, is that included in forever? So which sins are omitted? None. They're all remitted, but, right? They're not, he didn't miss anything on the cross. Well, I need to confess my sin. No, no, no. You go, hey, I was sinning. I, I was, I was, who will save me from the wretched man that I am? Right? Thank God in Jesus Christ there's no judgment. I accept the fact that I'm completely righteous and sinless today, holy, worthy to be blessed, the bride of Christ, worthy to kick butt in this life and make a difference, not just yell and talk about it and pray in tongues and scream at a non-believer. Let's make a difference, man. Does that, does that make sense? So this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, sat forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Let's finish this up. You guys getting something out of this? I just, want, I just want you to know what it really means to accept the fact that you are saved and anointed. Hallelujah. All right. So I'm going to read this out of the message. Romans 5, 12 through 14. You know the story of how Adam landed us in this dilemma we're in. So he's talking about the first Adam, the first man, right? You know the story of how Adam landed us in this dilemma we're in. First sin, then death, and it, no one exempt from either sin or death. So what he's, if you read it in King James or in New King James, it basically goes, listen, the first Adam by one sin messed us all up. I don't care how good you are, the judgment will always be what? You're going to die because the penalty for sin is death, right? Whereas you're not going to experience the second death. That's what he, he came to give us eternal life. The minute you pass into glory, man, you, you're, you have eternal life because the Jews were afraid of, if I die, I'm, I'm stuck in this purgatory place where he goes, no, I am the resurrection man. I, I'm the first, I have to go first. So we had to have a little holding place for you guys. They got that part right. Said, but I had to be the first fruits of the new man. So, as soon as Jesus was the first fruits offered himself, then it said the graves were opened and they saw the first fruits. People walking around the streets going, Man, there's grandpa. What's up? It was to show them that Jesus was the resurrection. It was all pointing to him. Amen? So, I'm covering too much ground, I can tell. So, <clears throat> first sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. I don't care how good you are, you're going to die. That's why the new covenant's all a spiritual thing. But I know that his death was now my death. So when I physically die, this earthly man that's sown in corruption, right? He's talking about seeds in the Bible. He goes, when you plant a, Sulin, we're, we're farm kids, so we get this. When we plant a, a corn seed and you dig it up two, two days later, it's ugly, rotting nonsense. That's us in the new covenant. Hey, we're planted in corruption, but we're raised in incorruption is what it says. So they plant this ugly seed. It, it literally dies. It gets all slimy and gross, etc. Then all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, first the bud, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. It turns into something beautiful. So, hey, we still physically die, guys. We still die. Our bodies, we die. But you're immediately in the twinkle of an eye, raised together again in your uncorruptible body. Hallelujah. We're sown in corruption. We were raised in incorruption. So Jesus was sown in corruption. On the third day, what happened? He rose for our justification. He was rose in incorruption. I'm, I'm, guys, you're gonna, some of you guys are going to experience what I experience right now. I can eat whatever I want. Yeah, man, eat. Fire it up. I hated the fact I couldn't eat cheese curds. 
Are those fried? What kind of oil? <laughs> I have no idea. I just dip them in ketchup and they're good. Hallelujah. <coughs> oil, small oil, I don't really know. You and I will cruise around now in your incorruptible bodies. You'll, you'll see what I've been experiencing for 40 years already. Like, no, it's wonderful, guys. It's amazing. Try it. So, well, you know, no. <laughs> oh, Lord, because I just believe the new covenant's all about feasting and joy and celebration. Amen. We're at the marriage table of the Lamb. We're not outside the house and angry like the old brother in the prodigal son store. Like, I can't even go in there. These guys are jamming, partying, and having a feast. But I'm not going to because I'm not going to be a glutton. There's no sin. Amen? If you're not worried about gluttony, you won't be a glutton. It's interesting. But don't be a glutton. Try it someday. You'll love it. Then you go, that didn't feel good. I'm not going to do that again. So you'll, you'll get over it in a hurry. Until you're free to do it, you're not free. Ooh, God. That's so true. Amen? But geez, that'll get you thrown out of church. So, so I appreciate you being here. <laughs> so, if not, I told Barb, I said, you know what? I said, I would never have to see anybody the rest of my life. My wife and my kids, I'm happy. I have life joy. I just, honestly, I'd be happy. Not that I don't love you, but honestly, I'm happy, man. I'm just, if I never see you again, it's okay. If I see you again, it's okay. Because I'm free either whether I see you or don't see you. It's, just, I mean, it's really that joyful to me. It's like, yeah, whatever. So... All right, so what am I talking about here? <laughs> okay, okay, so if he's talking about the first Adam, you know the story of how Adam landed his instant dilemma we're in, first sin, then death, and no one exempt from either. I don't care what you do, you're messed up because the first Adam, if, because you're born of him. All right? That sin dis disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone. Now there's a new covenant, but I love it, because he's contrasting old and new. But Adam, who got it into this, also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it. He's going, if that was true in the old covenant, that this one man could make all of you sinful, it's just a shadow of a better truth that one's going to get us out. The last Adam, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense to you guys, how he's, his argument here? He's going, listen, if you believe that one man's sin made you all a sinner, why don't you at least try to believe that God loves you and one man's perfect obedience will make you perfect? That's, that's his argument. He said, the old had some glory, but it faded away. The new one is much more glorious. Believe the new truth. But how many of you guys know it's harder to believe something good versus bad? It's just hard. It's just harder, isn't it? It's, it, it gossip's easy to believe. You share the good news with somebody, blasphemy, stone them. Tell them not to do that. Because I'm so much better because I don't sin. Hey, if you, if you miss one, you're guilty of it all. Some of you guys probably have mixed garment underpants. That makes you a prostitute. I'm serious. See, it was all about mixture. You can't mix any garment. So some, I'm pretty sure every one of you has worn a mixed garment of clothes. Where wool or linen or polyester or anything were mixed. And it goes, you can't mix the old and new covenant. It was just a picture of that. And if you're wearing that, you're guilty of all of it. So you prostitute, drug addict, gambler, glutton, wine bibber. Whatever. What are the sins people hate? Just ask them what kind of underpants they're wearing. <laughs> so, oh, I did something wrong. Sorry. I think that was me. Sorry, Doug. So, all right. And I'm just trying to be ridiculous to show you how ridiculous the old covenant was. It was to prove to them they can't do it. Right? Like they can only walk so many days or walk on the Sabbath. They can only walk so far. Bummer. What if you got diarrhea? <laughs> I got to stand here. I can't go work anymore. I'm serious. That's how ridiculous it was. 
Does that make sense? If you have an outhouse, it's all over. Because <laughs> I can only walk so many steps. Da, gone. In my mixed garment, right? I'm trying to be real because that's how ridiculous the old covenant was. Nobody's ever taught you this, but that's how serious it was. Because you miss one thing, you're guilty of it at all. That'd be a bummer in the old covenant, wouldn't it? Really, what a drag, man. So, and it was meant to be that. That's why, <laughs> does anybody believe what I'm saying? Yeah. It's really true. And it's, but he gave us a way out. And this is what the Jews forgot. He said, if you do any of this stuff, guess what? Your way out of this thing is to do what? Bring an offering. And as soon as you bring an offering that's perfect and acceptable, it's as if you never did anything wrong. Hallelujah. But the Jews didn't steward that truth. All they did was they got so stony-hearted that they said, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. This woman caught in adultery, stoned her. They didn't realize, like, let her bring a lamb. God's heart is mercy and grace. That's why I said, listen, if I, if I can't trust you with the true riches, if I can't trust you with the, the, un, the unholy mammon, this old stuff where you're rich just because I told you you were gonna rich, how can I trust you with the true riches, Jesus Christ? I'm gonna take your stewardship out of there and I'm gonna give it to someone who will bear its fruit. All the stewardship parables are not about you. You can rest, hallelujah, amen. They're about the Jews stewarding the old covenant and the oracles of God and they didn't do it. So, hey, they sent the prophets, they killed them. Finally, I'm gonna send my son to take care of this vineyard. They killed him also. What do you think the father's gonna think about this? I'm gonna take it, that vineyard from you and give it to somebody who will bear its fruit. All the par- I'm just telling you, you can relax. But be a better steward. That's why you're in this financial mess. No, that is not the truth. That is not the truth. That's, that is works-based, man. The prodigal son, did he go live riotously? He wore mixed garments and did everything wrong. Right? Lavish living. When he came, what did the, what did the father do? No problem. You didn't miss anything. He didn't give him the stewardship lesson. You're going to have this guy come in and talk biblical finances and stewardship. It's an old covenant concept. I'm not telling you. See, here's the thing. When you feel good about yourself, you'll naturally be a better steward. But me telling you, the reason you're poor is because you, have, you're only, you haven't stewarded what you've been given. He's not going to give you the true riches. That is an old covenant nonsense that keeps Christians broke. Amen? The truth is, you have everything. Now you start to believe that, you can live prosperously. Hallelujah. Whether you did it wrong or not. Well, honey, be a better steward. That'll just get you in an argument and you'll come see me. Well, hey, I'm not a good steward. I said, yeah, but you wear mixed underwear? What are you talking about? It's just as bad as being a bad steward. Right? See how weird we are? The new covenant is so good, man. It's so good. See, how many have ever done something financially that was a bad steward? You're still feeling the guilt of it, right? Because you heard this guy come in and that guy come in and how can I trust you? He's not, honey, he can't trust you with the true riches. He's talking about them. He's not talking about you. He goes, I give everything to you. I can trust you because you believe you're righteous now. Hallelujah. Amen? Okay. Sorry, I'm all over the place, but it's, the new covenant excites me actually because I'm just cruising along in this thing going, God, you're good. You're good. I messed up today. No problem. I'll restore it. Hallelujah. What a, I can't screw this thing up. That's the whole point. Right? Now, you can believe the wrong thing and not experience it, but if you believe the right thing, you can't screw this covenant up. It was between the Father and the Son on our behalf, and our promise is yes, cool. not if you were a good steward. You guys get it? Okay, let's finish this. Sorry. You got to get to a game or something. Yeah. Don't be a glutton. 
What in the world is a game without gluttony? Here, I fixed you a salad. It's kale. No kid. Hey, we're going to serve you kale. And what's something else nasty? Tofu. Oh, yeah. Kale and uh, that green grass that they chew up and make you drink it, whatever that stuff is. Hey, Ramika, we've got a UFC fight tonight. You know what? No more wings. I'm going to serve you kale. He'd be like, kale this, right? So it's fun every now and then to be crazy, isn't it? Let's party. That's what it says. The holy day. Let's, ho- let's have a holiday where we do no servile work. Like we're not old covenant servants anymore. Holy days are, we don't have to work. It's just symbolic of that. Let's party. Why do we party on holy day, holy days, right? Because it's all a picture of Jesus made us all holy. Now there's rest. We don't have to be a servant anymore. We're in the house and we get to party at the feast. Amen? Okay. So, but Adam, who got into this, points to someone else who will get us out of it. Here it is in a nutshell. I love this. Just as one person did wrong and got us into this trouble with sin and death, if that was true about the first Adam, what's true about the second Adam? One guy's going to do it perfectly right and get us back out and into the family. That's what accepting Christ is in your heart. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, I think I'm done. No, I'm not. So, 21. (laughs) All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. In the King James, it says this. The law was given so that you would sin more. So here's these 10. Follow them, kids. It was designed to sin more. To show the Jew you can't do it. Amen? So, But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance, I love this part, have a chance in the competition with aggressive forgiveness we call grace. Meaning if sin was powerful, let me show you the biggest guy on the planet's gonna come in here and be more powerful and aggressive. Hey, as powerful as the first Adam was, let me show you the real dude, right? That's like the junior high wrestlers come in, then all of a sudden they go, but let me tell you about the big fella coming in, Ramiko. You think you beat him, right? Some scrawny little fifth grader, right? Oh, here comes Ramiko. Let me tell you about the last Adam. <laughs> That's the picture he's trying to show you here. If the, see, we think sin is so powerful. God, we sinned, and now we got demons spinning around our house. And, right? Show him the la No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Show him the la 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 Shoot. Pray. Whatever. I'm just sitting there going, sweetie, can we leave now? Who are these? Here's my Charisma magazine. You are weirdo. Right? (laughs) They're under my feet. They're not spinning around my head. Come on. Sin doesn't have a chance when the big dude came on the scene, right? The five-year-old's boasting, man. I just wrestled. I beat this kid. Austin Ramiko comes in, second in the world. I'm just like, oh, yeah. Here's the last Adam, man. It doesn't have a chance, the aggressiveness of the last Adam. Amen? You guys get how new? That's how aggressive the new covenant is. It's so awesome. I don't know what emojis you can put on there, but every cool emoji you got. Hey, the last man, he's aggressive. He's aggressive in his grace, his love, his outpouring of everything to us, man. If sin was that bad, the baddest man on the planet is much more bad, is what the new covenant says. Does that, does that help any of you guys? Okay, the aggressive forgiveness we call grace, but it can't be hyper. But it can certainly be aggressive. Watch out for that. That's a hyper grace. You're so hyper mixture, it's unbelievable. 
When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death, but guess what? It can't threaten us anymore. Oh, death, where's your sting? The minute we die, what happens? Woo! Eternal life, our glorified body. Scrap the kale, man. Let's go back to the wings and beer. Can you say that? Your kids all do it. Just don't tell you about it. Amen? So why don't you show them grace, and then they won't be silly. Okay? So, all sin can do is threaten us with death, but hey, death, where's your sting? That's what the old new covenant's about, about. He conquered death, man. The minute you die now, you don't go to this holding place, purgatory, anywhere. You go immediately in the twinkling of an eye into the Father's presence, everything that the Jew wanted. Follow me? So, all sin can do is threaten us at the death. That's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, in, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on forever, the kingdom world without end. Praise God. You guys get it? Okay, so let's finish. Get to your feet. Hey, we're in the much more of the new covenant, this aggressive thing we call grace. Guys, he wants to bless you so much, give him a chance to do it. How do you do it? Accept the fact that I'm completely sinless and righteous and I'm worthy to be blessed because I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That's accepting Christ into your heart. Does that make sense? When you start living out of that spirit, that heart, man, life starts to become exciting. Hey, I get it. We live on planet Earth. There's challenges sometimes, right? So don't think that I'm doing something wrong because I've got this challenge going on in my life. Where, you know, I see people beating themselves up because something happens in their life. No, just know that, hey, this last Adam, his sins, if sin was aggressive, man, how much more is his grace aggressive? Hey, sin got you into that? This aggressive thing we call grace is going to restore everything and get you out of it. You can believe for good. Amen? That's all I'm trying to show you. Amen? The new covenant is much, much, much more is what he said. So if you've got financial issues, believe in his aggressive grace. Father, I thank you that you, you love me so much, you won't leave me here. This, this, if, if sin, falling short, not you doing something wrong, it's really believing the wrong thing. Sin came from believing the wrong thing, right? It causes you to go do actions that you probably shouldn't do. But in the new covenant, you're completely righteous despite those actions. And the more you believe that in your heart, you'll do less and less of those actions. That's the whole point of the new covenant. What, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if I go, Solomon, you're completely righteous, and holy. I was 16 once too. That's the scary part, right? So I better teach them God's aggressive grace so they don't have this guilt their whole life that I grew up with. Does that make sense? Actually, I didn't have too much of it. That's why I just, things worked. I stayed out of most of the Bible schools, so they couldn't mess me up. <laughs> no, I'm serious. If one man's sin was powerful enough to make us all sinners, come on. Come on, this aggressive thing we call grace has got to be better. That's what he's saying, right? Accept that in your heart. Christ's perfection is much more aggressive. We can always expect to be treated as a son and a bride if it doesn't fit with that concept, right? If it's a bad husband and a bad father, that is not the new, new covenant. His aggressive grace, he goes, you know what? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Accept the fact that you're sinless, you're saved, salvation, Jesus Christ, accept Jesus Christ into your heart. And I am the anointed that the old covenant talked about. Because the minute the prophet, the king, or the priest were anointed, guess what? All the gifts of the spirit were there, right? Wisdom, knowledge, everything else. They turned from when, when uh, uh, they said, you know what? He was telling Saul, now that you're anointed, the asses that you used to look for have now been found. Guess what? Now men are going to treat you royally, honorably, etc. because you are in Christ was all a picture of. That spirit of sonship was poured out on every one of you. Accept that into your heart. Amen. Amen? You are the anointed of God. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Isn't that hot? Yes. Well, if you're the anointed of God, you walk in and things are just going to change because you're the favorite of God. Amen? Yes. 
When you walk around with that spirit versus, well, I fell off the wagon one more time. That's an old covenant nonsense spirit, right? No, I, the aggressive grace, I don't care what you did, the aggressive grace is going to conquer that thing. That's what we get excited about. God, Lord, what an amazing covenant because I'm a mess and you still favor me and bless me. We confound the world is what it says. Hallelujah. Does that help you guys? Okay, so let's just pray from that new covenant spirit. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I like to have fun with it. I pray in the spirit too. Don't you? But I'm just trying to tell the truth. Most of the massive, aggressive tongue talkers are miserable that I will get around. The new covenant is praying in tongues and being as angry and as grumpy as me. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> the new covenant is righteous peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you pray in the Spirit? I pray new covenant prayers. Right? Have you been baptized in the Spirit? Yeah, I'm immersed in the Spirit. I'm immersed that I'm a son and anointed of God. I can't get any more immersed. Here, let me shoot. And they walk out, their wife yells at them, and they feel like crap again. They're not immersed in the Spirit. Does that, does that make sense? You, am I making sense to anybody? The new covenant is actually more easy than it was taught. I'm just telling you, hey, just believe the right thing and I'll be happy. Hallelujah. So you are in the last Adam. You're perfect, righteous, holy, perfect. This, is, this was God's dream. I want you to be a son and enjoy my kingdom. Amen? Yeah, but I'm a mess, Lord. That's the aggressive thing we call grace. I'm going to favor you and bless you despite you, man. Just believe that. Hallelujah. So, Father, we love you. We praise you. We just thank you that these people are sinless because of the last Adam. He was the perfect sacrifice, and he sat down. They are sinless forever. That's what it says in the New Covenant. It says we are the ambassadors of reconciliation. That means their account is as if they've never sinned. They've been reconciled to perfection to the very last penny to the account of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we thank you for that, that everything Jesus now deserves, they deserve. So, Father, they can pray for supernatural anointing in their businesses. They can pray for supernatural anointing in their lives. They can pray for supernatural anointing in their marriages. Father, that's the true anointing that you poured it out on all flesh, and now they can enjoy every promise as yes and amen. So, Father, we thank you that they can believe for crazy stuff because you're that good. You, you're so aggressive how much you love them and how much you want to bless them and prosper them. So we say yes. We say thank you. We just, that we display your splendor in 2017. In Jesus' magnificent name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs>